Hello. Thank you for downloading this sermon by Pastor Casey Helenchek. Casey is a missionary pastor with Village Missions. Currently, Casey and his wife Hope and their six children serve the Bangor Community Church and the surrounding area of Bangor, California. Village Missions exists to glorify Jesus Christ by developing spiritually vital community churches in rural North America. We now invite you to open your Bibles and journey with us. Hey guys, Pastor Casey here. Um, I have been out of the pulpit the last three weeks uh, due to uh, the birth of baby number seven. Uh, Daniel has arrived. So thankfully, my head elder Dave has been filling in the pulpit for me. I have not been able to record the first two sermons uh, that he gave, but uh, here is sermon number three on Gideon, chapter six and seven, God's man of valor. So I uh, hope you enjoy, uh, and God bless. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad you're here on this smoky day. I was always told I was too young to smoke. It doesn't matter what age you are, too young to smoke. So today we're back in Judges, chapter 6 and 7. That's a lot of scripture to read, so I'm not reading it to but I will be going back to that, so hold your finger in there, beginning in chapter 6 down on verse, I believe, eventually be starting in verse 30, well, 30 somewhere on there. As, as a way of reminder of me what to see, Israel has strayed away from God and walked away from His commandments, only to find themselves in peril and utter despair. Anytime that you get away from God, the one and only God is going to lead you in peril and, un, and in utter despair. They walked away from God and disobedient by worshiping other pagan gods. They even erected idols and worshiped them instead of the one and only true God. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. You can make something and then sit there and worship it. Just how do you expect anything to happen? Nothing. Just emptiness. And as for us, the same scenario, we stray away from God, His commands, and we find ourselves in peril and utter despair. When we do things our way, regardless or without regards to God uh, and His will, we're headed for disaster. The only way out of our dilemma caused by bad choices is, first of all, confession. Confession means you agree with God that you left Him, that you sinned against Him, and, and so you come and confession. And then, along with confession, comes repentance, which means I'm no longer going to be doing those things. I'm going to turn 180 degrees from those things and return back to God. And in today's preaching, a lot of it disregards those two important ingredients in coming to God. Confession and repentance. You can't come to God in confession unless you are humble. And humility before God is what we're looking for. And not only that, you're not only going to be just sorry for your sins, you're going to turn away from them, you're not going to go back and return to them. And I found myself in my life 
many times, I would go and confess my sin and turn around only to go back and do it again. And, and, and that's, that's a human characteristic that, that we seem to have. And so we have this constant battle going on in our souls and for our souls. And so, so that's why we have to stick close to God. And, and so when we do sin, we confess and we repent and we turn back to God. And, and this is something that, that we need to do almost on a daily basis. And I don't know a day goes by, but I don't find myself sinning in some way. I mean, it might be some thoughts. It might be something I've done. Uh, maybe minor, maybe not. But God says sin is sin. All sin. And, uh, and so it says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now we look back at our text and we find that Israel's battle was not physical. Israel's battle was spiritual. They broke the first commandment of God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'll tell you what, sin brings about calamity in every case. When we sin, there is always a negative result brought about by that sin. And, and it doesn't always just affect you, it affects everybody and everything else around you. So sin has a real devastating thing in our lives. It, it brings about calamity. Sin brings about judgment. It, it says in verse 6, the soul uh, that sins, this is in, in Exodus chapter 20, the soul that sins, it shall die. Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death. Sin brings about death, judgment. Sin reveals the condition of the heart. In Matthew 12, old, 12, 34, old generation of vipers, how can you be evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, man speaks, the mouth speaks. Sin, it reveals our disobedience and rebellion against God. Sin makes us powerless over the enemy. When we are sinning, we are already in the grip of the enemy. It's not like he's over there. He's right here. And so you're captured already. If you're in the military, you don't want to be captured. They do all kinds of strange things to you. Things that are not pleasant. You'll find when I preach a lot of times I bring in the military because it's very much apropos to what we talk about in Scripture. We are in a spiritual warfare. We're at war. And, and we're, at, we're at war in a spiritual aspect. You might not think it. You might think, oh, it's pretty serene around me. I've got no problems. No, don't think that because as soon as you do, that's when you're vulnerable. Because of Israel's disobedience, they found themselves overrun and oppressed by the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the children of the East. They fled to the mountains and hid in caves. They became weak and powerless and destitute. 
Israel at that point, finally, at that point, they call out to God, the one and only true God. They call out. And, and God's been probably sitting there, I've been waiting for you to do that. You don't know how long I've waited to hear you. Come to me. All you that labor are heavy day. So God is, is always pleased when we cry out to him, when we tell him our problems. He wants to hear it, and he wants to know that we're in need of him. So God wants to hear us. So, so, the, so Israel cries out, and the first thing he does, that God does, is he doesn't just take away their problems. He doesn't kill their enemies. What he does is he sends a prophet. And the reason he sent a prophet is so that they could be reminded of what they've done and where they've gone and why they're in the situation they're in. So God said, I delivered you from the bondage of those who oppressed, oppressed you. And you drove them out and you gave them, and I gave them your land, their land. And I said unto you, I am your God, do not fear the Amorites. And here you are, huddled underneath this mountain or whatever, in caves, fearful from the Amorites. And God had already given it to them in their hands. And so Israel needed to be reminded that, that they have gone away from God and that's why they're in the, in the situation they're at. And otherwise they would not have been in the predicament they were in. And in 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will heal will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Humility, prayer, seeking God, and turning away from our, our, our sin. Those are the ingredients that's needed to mend things with God when we sin. When you cry out to God, He will send you what you need most. He will always send you what you need most. God will not just come and wipe away the problem, as I said. And so God sends them a prophet. And then the second thing he does, he sends them an angel. And so the angel now is going to tell them what they do next. So when you act, when you when you call God, and you call on God, and you ask God to help you. You don't just go out and start doing something. You wait. And you wait for God to tell you what to do next. Because up until this point, you've been doing everything on your own. And guess what? It's been wrong. And it's got you in the mess that you're in. So now what are you going to do? If you're going to cry out to God, God's going to show you your sin. He's going to show you what went wrong. And now he's going to give you a message. Now he's going to tell you, and he told Gideon through an angel what was going to happen and what they were going to do. And, and as we talked before, Gideon was a very unlikely source. Even though God called him a man of valor, he was hiding 
from his enemy. He was trying to save what little bit he had in, in the grains in the wine press. Who would have thought to look for somebody crashing uh, wheat or crushing wheat and stuff in a wine press? So it's an unlikely person, an unlikely place. And, and God pulls out one man and he chose one man who was hiding from the enemy and, and he calls him to do a job. We gotta be ready for when God calls us and, and gives us a job. We're in a spiritual warfare, guess what? We're all got something to do. Something to do for God. And, and God's going to lead you as you follow Him, as you listen to Him, as you're in His Word, as you're taking your sins and confessing them, and humbly coming before God. Now God's going to send you His message. God quite often sends His message, most often, through His Word. He will also use other people to give you a message. And God has his authority structure. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and, and he puts the authority in the, in the home, and as the husband is the head of the home, the wife and the kids, so forth. There, and then he has authority over them, which would be spiritual leaders in your life. You have spiritual leaders and people all around you. So God is going to give you a message. You need to be listening and open to what God wants to say to you. And guess what? Gideon begins to make excuses. And he said to him, Oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? How am I going to do that? Behold, my family is poor. I'm the least of my father's house. Gideon's basically saying, I'm not a man of valor. How can you say that? You don't need me. You need somebody else. And God says, no, you're the man I've chosen. You're the man I've chosen. And, and so Gideon was given his first assignment. And even though Gideon was careful, he did as God instructed. Fear cripples all of us. Fear cripples us. The fear of what people think when we say something. The fear of what people say. The, the fear of going and doing what God says is it's crippling. And I can imagine Gideon having a lot of fear when when the angel comes to him and tells him, hey, you're going to save your people as one man. You kidding me? <laughs> and yet God will do that. And as I said before, Franklin Roosevelt said in his inaugural address, you have nothing to fear but fear itself. Fear cripples. You've got to put the fear aside. Fear can cause you to do things that you shouldn't, wouldn't and shouldn't do. And many times when we fear, there's no basis for that fear. And we only hurt ourselves by worry. And God told Gideon, you have nothing 
to there. Anyway, he did as he was sold. The people found out. I think I might have got the cart before the horse. The only battle that Gideon had at this point was his own people. He wanted to have them killed. Or he wanted, they wanted to have him killed. And when we stand up for God and we follow God's instructions quite often, our battle comes from within, not from without. People don't like their world disrupted or changed in some way and will attack anyone who does. Churches have been split over issues, minor issues. What color the carpet should be. What we should do for seating in the church. Minor things. Sometimes, what kind of material do we use in our Sunday school class? Which I came up against that one time being a deacon in a church. And, and the deacons were downgrading the Christian ed director because he wanted to use material other than Baptist material. And, and I'm just sitting there biting my lip and biting my tongue and saying, Lord, do you want me to say something or not? Or should I just keep shut up? And about the time I said that prayer, they looked right at me, hey, what do you think? You couldn't ask for a quicker answer, could you? And I told him, I said, first of all, I says, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and I'm a believer, and then secondly, I'll think about whether I'm a Baptist. You could have heard a pin drop. And I said, you know, I sit here and I listen to you downgrade the Christian ed director, which is my Christian brother, it's your Christian brother, and we're downgrading because he thinks we ought to use this, this material. And, and I says, you know, I know the material he's talking about, and I think he's right. I think that material's better than what we have. And that was a church that when we went out as missionaries, that they commissioned us, that was the church that sent us out. And it took them a long time before they gave kindness and support because of that meeting. It's amazing. People are so steeped in their ways and the things that they do, they can't think beyond that. And, and those kind of things can, can separate and divide the body of Christ. We have to be so careful of that. So the battle is brewing the, the Midianites and the Malachites and the children of the East. Then, then verse 33, then all the, the Midianites and the Malachites and the children of the East were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. And Jezreel, the valley of Jezreel, is just right below where, where the uh, Israelites were. Just hovering there. And all of a sudden, the enemy comes in close and encamps in the valley next to them. And some believe that this is because they got wind of what Gideon had done with the altar and tearing down the altar of Baal and and the Asher pole. Others believe that it was time again for them to come, for them to come and ravage Israel and take whatever they had and whatever they could get from them. 
But no matter why they were there, God had something in store for them, and Gideon was God's man for the job. Nonetheless, the enemy was encamped just outside of Israel's dwelling, and the enemy is always close and ready to spring at any action. At any moment, they look for a weakness. The enemy looks for a weakness in your life, and he's there to jump on it as soon as he sees your weakness. So you need to be fortified in that weakness. And the way you get fortified is being fortified by God, Spirit, God's Word, being close to God, because that's where our battle is, and that's a spiritual battle, and it takes God and His Word to, to take care of the issues. 1 Peter 5, 5 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He also appears as an angel of light. So don't always be looking for the lion. Look for that angel of light that can also be devastating to you. Anyway, Gideon at this point is pumped up as he's heard from God and now he's ready for action. Verse 34 and 35, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and Ebenezer was gathered after him and sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher, unto Zebulun, and unto Naphtali. And they came up to meet them. The Spirit of God and His hosts are what we need to fight our battles. We are weak and incapable of fighting them in our own physical strength. After all, the battle is with Satan and his forces. All are spiritual in a spiritual realm. And we would be defeated if we were, if it were not for the Spirit of God in our lives. You have to be open to the Spirit of God. You've got to be allowing the Spirit of God to move and work in your life so that you can fight those spiritual battles. So Gideon jumps to action as soon as he's convinced that God sent him an angel, and he's ready to go, and so he sends out messengers to gather together. An amazing thing to me is that they actually immediately responded and were gathered together. And Gideon must have been very convincing when he sent out these messengers. Either that or God had a plan. And I would like to say God had a plan. And it wasn't anything that Gideon did. It wasn't any power that Gideon had over the people. It was because God was calling them together and calling them to action. So Gideon says, okay, God, you're going to be with me. I need some confirmation. Verses 36 and 40. And Gideon said, Gideon said unto God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon the earth beside, then I shall know that you saved Israel by my hand, as you have said. That should be enough, right? And as it was so, 
And, and he rose up early in the morning and thrust the fleece together, squeezed it out, and wrung and, and the dew out of the fleece a bowl full of water. I don't know how big that bowl was. It wasn't a thimble. It, it was a bowl, probably an eating bowl. And Gideon said unto God, Let not your anger be hot against me, and I will speak this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon the ground, and let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and the ground, and the dew on the ground. So Gideon asked for a wet fleece and a dry ground, and God did that. And that was not enough, so Gideon asked the wet ground, for a wet ground and a dry place. And God gives him just what he asked for. God gives us what he knows we need. Keeps coming up. I just keep seeing it all the time. God gives us what we need, and he gets it when we need it. He doesn't stop it over here and say, okay, Dave, you got it here. Whenever you need it, just take it. He doesn't do that. He gives it to you when you need it. Gideon needed assurance. How many times have you needed an assurance? I have. And, and he needed assurance. Uh, and it's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness. You talk to any pilot that has his own plane that flies in and out of these small airports, what does he do? He takes and he goes over that plane. He starts feeling the flaps to see if they're working, if everything's solid or not. He makes sure there's nothing on the wings that's going to impede his flight. He checks that thing out thoroughly before he gets in it and flies away. Why? Because he needs to have assurance that that is going to work when, the way it's supposed to work when he gives it the controls. A soldier, I told you I'd be talking about soldiers. A soldier checks out his enemy before he makes his next move. We have found many times in military things, and if you look at history, you'll see what happened when they, when they disregarded knowing what their enemy was, or they went up against something that had no idea what they were up against. Normandy and some of those things, they're just unbelievable. To, to, uh, to not uh, estimate your enemy is imminent trouble. So the, the soldier, uh, when I went into the military, I was trained to drive an armored personnel carrier. And they had one of those little tanks smaller than that. They called it a reconnaissance uh, tank. And what it would do is it would go out and, and go out amongst the enemy quietly and, and peruse what was out there. So then when we came in with troops, we would we'd already know what was there, what we were going to face. We knew what to come with. We knew how to move. So it, it looks like Gideon is just, you know, pushing things here. But he isn't. He's asking for assurance. 
And we need assurance in our Christian walk and our Christian life. Needing assurance is being careful and cautious. Moving ahead recklessly and carelessly or too quickly can be quite costly. Getting assurance causes confidence. A, a well thought out plan builds confidence and usually leads to success. A timid soldier is a dead soldier. A timid soldier is a weak soldier. When your superior officer tells you to move out, you do without question, without hesitation, or, or the rest of the people suffer. And you do it with precision. When I went into the military, what did they send me? Did they send me right out on the front lines? No. They have this place called boot camp. I know why they call it boot camp, because there's always a boot in your backside. But you go to boot camp, and you go to boot camp so that you learn discipline. You go to boot camp so that you know how to handle your weapon. You go to boot camp so that you know how to do things when your officer tells you to. You learn discipline. And, and you're taught that so that you, that you obey when you're told. And sometimes they tell you to do stupid stuff and you go, I don't want to do that. But you do it anyway. Because if you don't do it, the whole company suffers. And, and I don't know how many times when somebody messed up, everybody else got suffered. Either we had to go do push-ups or, or run around the track or whatever until we fall down or whatever. So everybody suffered when one person didn't do what they were told. So now we're into Judges 7, verses 1 and 2. And, and he became, uh, they named him Zerubbabel, which means uh, standing against Baal. Uh, that's Gideon. So if you see Zerubbabel, that's what you're talking about. And the people with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that most of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill Moron in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gilead, The people that are with you are too many to give, to give, give into the Midianites into your hands. Unless you say that, you know, we've done it. Get proud about that you've gone in there and taken over. Well, God, you had 332,000 men to do it. God says, that you've got too many. I'm going to reduce that down. So, he tells Gideon, Now therefore, verse 3, Now therefore, go proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early to Mount Gilead. And there returned the people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. So he went from 32,000 people, down and 22,000 left because they were afraid. So now he's got 10,000 people. And God tells Gideon how to eliminate some of these men. Send the ones home that are fearful. He's told them that now. Put, uh, this is girl. Yeah. 
Anyway, I, I have down here to put yourself in Gideon's shoes for a moment and imagine what it would be like to have two-thirds of your men just walk away. And, and so, I mean, you talk about fear or you talk about, oh no, now what? Uh, that could be very, very much so there. And God does not always do the things the way we have planned. God is always perfect in what He does. God knew what was needed to fight this battle. And God would prove once again to Israel He was the only one in true God. In verse 4, thank you, verse 4 through 7, And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for you there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto you, this shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever I say unto you, this shall not go with you, and the same shall not go. And so he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that laps of the water with his tongue as a dog laps, him shall you set by himself. And likewise, everyone that bows down upon his knee to drink, and the number of them that lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, by these 300 men that laughed, will I save you. So now he goes down, 10,000 people down to 300 men. Crazy. And he's going to, God says, I'm going to save you now with these 300 men. God says, there's still too many men. He need to reduce them down. And so the only way that Gideon had to fight his battle was with 300 men. And, and, could, and he couldn't even, that in his own strength, but he would never be able to win a map a battle like that. It was like, here we are. And people out there, as many as grasshoppers and locusts, and I have 300 men to fight this battle. And in Judges 7, 16-25, and he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put the trumpet in every man's hand, with an empty pitcher, and the lamps within the pitcher. And he said unto them, Look on me, and do not do, do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as you do, so shall, as I do, so shall you do. When I bow down with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow your trumpets also every side of the, all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon was, so Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp, in the beginning of the middle of the watch, and they had but new, newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets, and break the pictures, and that were in their hands, and three companies blew the trumpets, and break the pictures, and held the lamps in their hands, 
and the trumpets in their right hands, and below withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and Gideon. And they stood every man on his side, round the camp, and all the hosts round ran and cried and fled. Everybody was taken by surprise. They cried and they fled. And the 300 men that blew the trumpets, and the Lord said, Every man served against himself. They turned against themselves. They basically destroyed themselves and run. You know, that's the way the Lord does things. That's amazing. And, and so whenever you think you, you're with overwhelming odds and everything's coming in on you from all angles, and as we read in Psalms 3 this morning about David and fleeing from his son Absalom, and, and it's like all things were against him, and just about everything to turn around. If you read the Psalms, you will see that in, in everything that he writes there. And, and he pleads, makes his plea to God, how long are you going to let this happen? How long are you going to let this go on? But God has his own timing, God has his own ways, his own ways, and God will be preeminent in everything that we leave in his hands. So we need to be Gideons in our, in our life and walk for Christ. We need to be open to what God wants to do. We need to be in tune with His Spirit, in His Word. And, and boy, do we need that today in our world today. We need it like nothing else. And it looks like things are very dire and destitute. And then how in the world are we ever going to get out of the mess that we're in? No, we leave it to God. God can do amazing things. And God will do amazing things. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. It's your word that speaks to the heart of people, not just mere man. Your spirit helps us to know and to understand and to see what you're telling us. Lord, may we call upon your spirit, may we call upon you, may we cry out to you for our strength and for our help. To help us fight these spiritual battles that we're fighting. We're, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting principalities and rulers of darkness. We're powerless without the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. We're powerless without you, God, being preeminent over us. We're powerless if we try to do things in our own strength. Lord, when you call us to do something, may we, may we go without fear. May we go knowing, Lord, that you have called us and that you will be there and that you will fight our battle for us and that we'll be just like Gideon banging our pots, shining our lights, and Lord, we will see the enemy flee. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Thank you, Father, for this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
You are wonderful. You are powerful. Lord, we call upon you to be our strength, our spiritual strength, to be our fortress, to be our shadow, to protect and to guide and to direct and to use our lives for you and for your honor and your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Bangor Community Church. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash B-A-N-G-O-R Community Church C-A, all one word. If you would like to connect with Pastor Casey, please hop on over to caseyhelenchuk.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y-H-O-L-E-N-C-I-K.com. Thank you and God bless. Thank you again for listening and joining us on our journey through God's Word. If you've listened thus far and believe in our ministry or us as a family, please consider partnering with us. We would be honored to know that you are praying with and for us. If you feel compelled to give through financial support, information on how and where to give can be found at caseyholanchik.com slash giving. Thank you and God bless.